0: Praise the Lord. How many souls we got on fire this morning, huh? Amen. I like that song. Praise the Lord. Amen. amen. Our live stream is still working? <laughs> Hallelujah. That's good news. Praise the Lord. You do not understand what we went through this morning. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, um, amen. Thank you for all my technicians and hardworking guys that we got together and And uh, praise the Lord. Jason, with the foreknowledge last night of getting this stuff run, I guess it's still out in certain areas. Um, I got it at my house in Key West, but I guess there's a certain... And, of course, the church is in that thing there, so that's okay. We conquer all things. Amen? Amen. I want to share a message with you this morning. Let me go ahead and uh, set my reminder here. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want to share a message this morning... Last, this, this, I got this word last Sunday uh, before church. As a matter of fact, before I got up out of bed last Sunday, I heard the Lord speak to me and he said this and basically it became my title uh, for the message because he shared some other things on Tuesday night when we were here for, for Harp and Bowl and uh, that I thought were, were significant. But he said, that, he said that, he said that, that is the sound of the nets breaking. Now, I didn't hear a physical sound but I knew it was the Lord when he spoke. I was, I was not quite awake yet. I was just coming away. And there's nothing I was dreaming about or thinking about. It's just like it was this statement that came out. It said, That's the sound of the nets being broken. He immediately, uh, immediately got up. I, I, I turned to Luke chapter 5. I'm going to ter- turn there this morning. So if you want to follow in your Bible this morning and things I'm going to share with you, uh, um, and uh, what does this all mean? Well, this, it, it, God didn't give me the meaning per se, He showed me the scripture. There's several, um, there's several aspects to this thing. Then what happened again on Tuesday night, I came here Tuesday night, and um, I was, and the Lord spoke to me, and uh, again, uh, and during our prayer session in our harp and bowl, and He, says, um, he said, I want you to enter into a spiritual warfare. He didn't say spiritual a spiritual warfare. Uh, I went home and I, and I began to pray. That's why I began to pray all week. What, what does it, was it, what specifically does it mean? Now we, I know what spiritual warfare is. I know what it used to be, what we used to do in Key West and different things in spiritual warfare. But this was something different. I knew it was different, and I began to inquire the Lord. That one led thing that went through another, through more scripture, and that's was kind of laid the basis for today's message uh, to share with the church this morning because we are entering into this season of spiritual warfare. Do not get hung up on the term. Uh, how many know that whenever I say spiritual warfare, I'm not talking about something we need the victory in. That's, there are personal aspects of spiritual warfare. I'm talking about coming from a position of victory and enforcing what Christ has already done. You understand? So it's a little bit different approach, a little bit different thing. I'll share as we go along. I'll share more of that. Of course, I'll be sharing more with our prayer meeting. So what we've done is we've designated Tuesday night now uh, to do this that so Saturday night we stole Saturday night as our harp and bowl night and of course Sunday morning services but our Tuesday night is changing from the harp and bowl and we're shifting into this spiritual uh, warfare that God is is, is you know, that's what we're doing here locally but uh, I want to give some, give you some scripture this will that uh, anybody can can uh, apply this to themselves let's start with Luke chapter 5 because this is what the, the Lord has shown me and uh, <clears throat> so he says it so, uh, verse starting with verse one. So it was as a multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the, by Lake uh, uh, Jacenterit. J- now that's the same as the Sea of Galilee. So he was on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. If you got another translation, I think it says Galilee. He says in verse two says, and I saw two boat, and, and saw two boats uh, uh, standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Verse 3 says, then he got into the, one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him, he says, to put out uh, a little uh, from land. As he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat, verse 4 says, when, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep, uh, let down your nets for a catch. Now there's something you have to know here. A fisherman's net is only so wide. Jesus said, launch out into the deep. In a fisherman's mind thinking that if I go out too deep, everything will get by my net because the net will not reach the bottom. So what ne- fishermen were generally accustomed to doing is fishing right close to shore so the net would reach. Of course, the longer the net they had, the more it reaches the bottom. And this is how they, how they net fished. Jesus says, cast out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. He didn't say, see if there's something there. He said, let your net down for a catch. Amen. Verse 5 is the one that everybody can relate to in this room. <laughs> but Simon answered and said to him, he says, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, this, get that nevertheless into your life this morning. <laughs> get used to that nevertheless, what I think. Forget what I think. Forget my opinions. Forget this. Nevertheless, Lord, at your word. In other words, he said. He says. So he goes, uh, and he, he says. He says. Uh, Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And uh, he said, in that, uh, he says. Then uh, they had done this and caught a great number of fish. Now listen to this: they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. Now, how many has ever? How many ever believed uh, for, to, to God for a blessing? Amen. Yes. Now. Okay, what is does the net, What is does the fisherman, what does all this represent? This represents, in a nutshell, God supplying what they needed. He's in, in such an amount that they were not even quite geared up or prepared to receive all of what God was giving. That's how God operates. This is God, and this is how he operates from one to another. Now, a couple of things in here. In other words, when Jesus said, "launch out into the deep, he's talking about a pacific place. There was a place the disciples had to be under the line of Jesus to get that blessing. Do yes, you see that? Okay, I'm going to go over some things and I'm going to get some other, other things this morning. But he said he, he had to be a pacific place. Now, once they got to a pacific place, there had to be a pacific task. All this is setting up for the blessing that God is already ready to pour out. Now, wait a minute. We're professional fishermen. We fish this lake all night long, and we caught nothing. If anybody knows where the fish are, it's us. Now, I, I knew from my days, I used to go out uh, offshore in Key West and fishing with some guys, and I know a couple of things you look for. We used to go out and we used to uh, fish for different kind of, of game fish, and uh, I want to see where the birds are. You watch the birds to find out where the fish are, and the birds will tell you where the fish are at. Another thing you look for, you look for the weed patches. In the ocean here, we got got uh, sarcasm weed, and it collects. fish like to, Bait fish like to hide under that so the other fish come. So there's certain things in the environment that I'm looking for. Peter would no, be no different. He'd be looking at all the signs of where he's supposed to be, maybe in the position of the moon, for that matter, okay, fishing all night. So he has gone over the lake where fish are supposed to be. Jesus doesn't necessarily lead him to a, uh, that Pacific spot that he fished at. He was just saying, launch out into the deep. Now, we have a couple of problems with the deep. i shared with you about the, about the shortage of nets. But you see, the thing is, to get in line with God's blessing, they couldn't depend on their information about fishermen. They, they were trained fishermen. They knew what they were doing. But they couldn't rely on what they knew. They had to trust in the word and self. To trust in their own intellect would have not put them where they were they're fishing, but this is where the fish were. The fish weren't there because the fish are no, normally in that spot. Jesus had an X marked out. He did the spot. No. The fish came to where Jesus' voice has commended them to be. Yeah. Understand something. When our Savior is commanding something, all the uh, things in line in, in nature have to come in agreement with what he says, has to come in alignment. So, Jesus is aligning the fish for their nets. So, there you go. We have a Pacific place. We have a Pacific task. And this Pacific, f- for, 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 to get this miracle, obedience without question. There's a tough one. There's a tough one. We'll try anything if we're hungry enough, we'll try anything if we're desperate enough but to follow God's instructions without question. <laughs> Pierre says, listen, he says, we fished all night. He said, but nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to let down the net. I'm going to be obedient, whether it m- makes sense in my brain or not. I don't care if it makes sense in my brain. Lord, you said it, I'm going to do it. Well, good, He's setting himself up for a miracle. Because you don't have to explain everything. And as soon as your mind, in anything you read in the Bible, you pick up the Bible, and I don't understand that. As soon as you have to understand something, okay, that God has said to be true, by the way, as soon as you have to understand it to satisfy that understanding, you'll even write a new doctrine that the Bible doesn't even explain. And that's trying to satisfy the the, the understanding. The understanding which is formulated by which, where, by the way? the brain, or the soulish realm. So we're trying to take something spiritual, a spiritual significance from God, and we're trying to discern it by our soul, our intellect. Are you here? This made no sense at all to Peter. I got news for you. Most of what God does in your life is not going to make any sense because you're not going to feel holy enough, you're not going to feel righteous enough, you're not going to feel strong enough, prayed enough, did enough anything and yet God still comes. How many have sat and, and believed for healing, believed for healing, believed for healing, and some drunk on a bar stool will get healed before you do? <laughs> and you pout before God and say, that ain't fair. <laughs> I'm serving you. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Lacks understanding. But God looks on the inside. He looks at the heart. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I try, to, I, I try to, regardless of what I'm doing, I never try to stand on what I've done for the kingdom. Because whenever I do that, whenever I say that, well, look at what I've done. I've been 33 years in Key West. I did this and I put up with this. We cast out demons out of this person. We did that there and we did this here. Careful. You're trading around on territory that the devil's very familiar with. It's called human pride. And when that pride rises up, then what happens? You have to discount somehow. You have to discount God's fairness. Are you here? God is God, whether you agree with Him or not. God is always going to be God. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways, regardless of whether we agree or disagree. Amen. So I, I like Peter right here. This this one, this I like Peter. Simon who called him. He, his changed letter changed his name to Peter. Amen. And uh, but the fact is, this is, is Peter the rock, he said, he says, I don't understand this. We fished all night, but nevertheless, we gotta get that nevertheless back in our, our vocabulary. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, at your word, I'm letting down the net. Nevertheless, I don't does make any sense to me. Nevertheless, whether it makes sense or not. Nevertheless, whether we're doing or not, I'm letting down the net. And I'm gonna receive what you've given us. This is one of these moments, this is what I was always thinking about when God said that to me. So this is the sound of the nets breaking. The sound of the nets breaking is a fulfillment of the blessing. Their nets begin to break because of the weight of the fish. In other words, the weightiness of God's blessing was more than their nets had capability to withstand. Now there's a couple of things you can do here. You can get some help. You can lose some of the blessing or you can get stronger nets. <laughs> now, they didn't lose the blessing, so however they did it. Another thing, being professional fishermen, they knew how to use a net. I see people trying to imitate other people's miracles, and they don't know how to use a net. And I, I, I heard this from another, from another preacher I thought was pretty good. He says, you know, revival's like that. Revival's like a net. Just comes down and swoops up everybody, whether they're hungry or not. Hook and line type of fishing depends. You can only go after hungry fish. God likes to use a net. Includes everybody. Whether you're hungry or not, you're taking them by the net. (laughs) That's how revival is. Revival's like net fishing. Ah, that's why I look at God. Anyway, I just have uh, no extra charge. Amen? All right. So that John chapter 21, Jesus kind of uses this for a calling card. How many remember where John chapter 21 picks up, this is the end of, uh, end of the book of the Gospel of John, and he records Jesus does this again, but now this is different. Jesus isn't in the boat. Jesus is standing on the shore. This is right after his resurrection. Remember when the disciples went through this this th- thought that when jesus was crucified it was going to be the end of all things including them they thought they were next they hid out they were afraid they were scared finally peter says up he's he's hiding out at home and he says um i don't know about you i'm going fishing And we're going fishing too so the rest of he got the rest of his gang together and he went fishing In other words, I'm tired of sitting around here, I'm going to go fishing. And again, they fished all night and caught nothing. These guys are professional fishermen, but they're not looking like it. They're looking like they need Jesus and everything. They're kind of looking like, man, they can't even catch a fish. Fishermen can't catch a fish without Jesus. Maybe we ought to take note. Maybe we're not as good at what we think we are as as what we are. Maybe we're trying to squeeze Jesus out of things we need to bring him back in for. Yeah. I'll just, that's just a side note. Praise the Lord. And Simon Peter went, drugged a net to land. In other words, uh, well, let me start from the beginning. Uh, ch- verse 6, it says this in John chapter 21. He said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat. Let me go back even m- one further than that. He said, he says, um, he yelled out to him on the Sea of Galilee. He says, children, do you have any fish? Do you have any breakfast? Do you have any meat? And, G- and they said, no, we fished all, we caught nothing. And this is where he gives them the command. He says, cast your net on the other side of the boat. They didn't know who it was. But basically, they cast net on the other side of the boat. And when the fish came in, the multitude of fish came in, they actually counted them as 153 fish. Now, scholars have been trying to make something out of that number <laughs> ever since it's mentioned. There's no, there's no making anything out of the number. There's, the number is, is insignificant, other than the fact that It was 153 fish that took to break that net. They had it numbered. But uh, why did God put that number in there? I I think just to irritate the uh, ones that need to know. Praise the Lord. I, I can live with a little mystery. I don't know. 153. But it mentions that they're full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. It was to the capacity but it didn't break. Is it possible that they made their nets a little bit stronger on that second cast? Maybe following Jesus, they needed a little bit stronger nets in just the, their, their mundane part of it. Anyway, so I, this, is, this is what I was getting. Let me go ahead and run this down for you because I, I want some other thing I want to show you uh, towards spiritual warfare. But it says, uh, these are some things I wrote down in my notes. The weight of God's blessing stresses man's ability uh, stressing a ma- uh, man's ability to contain it, uh, God's blessing uh, was taken uh, from out uh, from the earth. In other words, God didn't create fish; He took what was already in the earth and He brought it to where they needed it. Yes. We're looking for God to drop things down from heaven because we need it. Now He did that with man in the wilderness when there was nothing they could produce. Amen. But in this case, God was their fisherman. God was looking for them, and he was depending on their skills. And then he took what was in the earth, and he brought it to them to handle. He took what was in the earth, he brought it to them to handle. You got that? Okay, praise the Lord. We want to look at the pie in the sky all the time, but God wants it to. It says, and then uh, um, the fisherman uh, had to take action to, uh, to prevent the loss. So in other words, it was coming in, their, their nets were failing, but then they had to take action so there was nothing lost. I like the d- disciples' reactions. I don't know what your reaction or my reaction would be because we weren't ever in that situation, but I like the disciples' reactions to God's miracle. Surprised. Overwhelmed. Delighted. Exhausting. Uh, an exhausting task ahead. Were they exhausted from the task of pulling the nets all the way to the beach, filled with all that weight and all those fish? Yeah, exhausting, isn't it? They real the real their realization of responsibility for handling of that miracle. It was a realization, and we got a responsibility to this thing. Need to the need to use every bit of their skills to get this thing done. In other words, looking back in amazement. Amen. This is what I'm seeing when God says, okay, the nets, that's the sound of the nets breaking. There's all these things that are involved. There's amazement, there's surprise, there's overwhelming sometimes. I I've, I've, I've have experienced all of these in the ministry since I've been in the ministry. All these things. Amazement. There's an exhausting aspect of the... T- of the t- uh, one, uh, one time, uh, well, there was a couple of times I went to West Africa... And when I came home, uh, because of ner- uh, lack of food, lack of other things, uh, it took me weeks to get energy back. It's like it was like bled everything out of me. It was no- nothing to strengthen. I could make it to church and do all of this stuff, but it was like it took like weeks to get back into the swing of things because the task was exhausting. Did we have miracles? Absolutely. Was it a marvelous time? Absolutely. Not complaining one bit. We went in there. It's like we showed up. And the only thing I had time to do, didn't have time to preach, didn't have time to teach anything, is just lay hands on people and watch miracles happen. We, I sat back for five weeks in uh, West Africa, went from one end of the country to the other end of the country in, in Ghana. And, uh, and then a couple of weeks I spent over in the Ivory Coast teaching at a Bible college there. And then went on, and uh, just exhausting the work, but the, but the amazement of watching these people and the look, you, you haven't lived. I still think about that one couple. I think about it a lot. One couple in, uh, in uh, Ghana, in the, uh, Accra, Ghana, and they handed me a baby, um, not a doctor, but it would, it, I knew malaria run rampant in that country and the baby was burning up a fever. I tried to put two and two together, but they handed me the child into my hands and I could feel the heat of the baby's body was just burning. And I felt God come upon me and all of a sudden went through my arms into the hands and that baby just calmed down to normal temperature. And when the baby's temperature dropped, I hand them back to the parents. you never seen people so rejoicing, so dancing around. This is what I witnessed. So there's the amazement. There's the exhausting task at hand, but there's the amazement. I was so glad I got the plane ticket to get on to go there I'm so glad I took the time even away from my own ministry here in Key West at the time of the church praying for me uh, to, to go there to spend five weeks in their environment. Holy smokes another thing. To, to, to go through that Th- That one moment. I mean there were several moments like that But this one moment just really it just it changed my life It changed my entire heart to watch that little it's still a baby. It was a newborn. I mean, it was just a little baby Somehow it was burning up with fever. But when we gave it back, they, the mother just, with her face lit up and they begin to dance around. It's all outside, you know. So church, they put up a, a, a canopy or awning and say, there's church. <laughs> and this is what you did, praise the Lord. So I can imagine all these things. When God says, that's the sound that it's breaking. I can see the blessings of God even for our church. I can see the blessings of God in so much that if we're not careful, we need to learn how better to reinforce the nets. Not to let one of God's blessings escape our grasp because we're too lazy or too for, nearsighted to step up another grade, another notch. Yes, sir, or we think we've got church all figured out. So there's nothing much for us to do but show, showing up. When I talk about church, I'm talking about something that Paul was talking about. He said, forsake not the assembly. He used the word assembly. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered. Jesus used the word gathering. Paul used the word assembly. There's a difference between an assembly and a gathering. A gathering can be for anything. It could be for fellowship. It could be uh, uh, for anything. We gather, we gather. We come together. Jesus, I'll be at your gatherings. Paul says, don't forsake assembling. He said in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, no, you assemble. What's the difference? Assembly has a purpose. A gathering has, well, I mean, there's purposes in gatherings also. But the gathering is more uh, to, to reinforce, to ensure, to, 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 to give grace to, to give homage to. Because when Jesus shows up at your gatherings, how I many know it's going to change everything? <laughs> everything you thought was going to be, it's going to be different when Jesus shows up. But an assembly is an assignment that God has given us. You know, he's given us an assignment to lay hands on the sick. He didn't ask you to determine whether they're going to get healed or not. He said, I want you to lay hands on the sick. Because you don't like the results or, or no preacher doesn't, doesn't, like, doesn't give you the right to change the assignment. Never has. The assignment is given by Christ. Go to every nation, preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Cast out devils. That wasn't an option. That isn't something we get to do if it's only bothering us. No, he said, go ahead and do that. Set up a lifestyle for that. Amen. And begin to do those things. Praise the Lord. Amen. We got. We talk about casting out devils. We got as many devils in the church as we got as, as out into the world anymore. Yes, Just being honest. Praise the Lord. But um, how many? Jesus showed us another thing. I mentioned Jesus, but Jesus shows in Matthew chapter twelve. I got, yeah, I got enough time. Jesus chapter in Matthew chapter four, he talks about us. He, in, how many know this is the temptation of Christ when he's in the wilderness. If you read that story, you've got to get some keys on some things on how, how to how to handle the devil. For one thing, you'll find out though how many temptations? Anybody know? How many temptations were were against Christ? There's a number. Three. Amen. If you be the son of God, turn these rocks into loaves of bread. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. If you be the son of God, throw yourself off this pinnacle of the temple, high place. Will he not give angels bear up to bear you up and, and at least you dash your foot against the stone. And he says, fall down and worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Every every attack that came up through Mark chapter or Matthew chapter four, every attack was really against one thing. Now there he had he had three different expressions, but they're really one thing. All three of them take in. They were He was attacking the identity of Christ, getting Christ, trying to get in Christ to doubt his identity. If you, be the, if you be the son of God, he was there at the River Jordan when God from heaven spoke down, this is my beloved son of whom I'm well pleased. He heard that. Yeah. So what did he hear? If you're really a Christian, maybe you should be like this. If How many ever heard the if? Yes. Okay? Well, if, you, if God is who he says he is, how come you're having such a hard time in life? Well, because of you, stupid. I could do a lot better without you. Amen. You're an idiot. And it's hard on us smarter people to have to deal with idiots. <laughs> Not talking about other people, I'm talking to the hell out. <laughs> I never call another person an idiot. <coughs> Praise the Lord, unless they pull up in front of me on the highway. Anyway, well, <laughs> So, so what was he looking like? He's attacking identity. Jesus showed us how to handle the attacks. He showed us how to ward off the attacks. Satan used the word of God. Matter of fact, he used a lot of quotes in De- Deuteronomy. Satan used the word of God to attack the word of God. Does that make any sense to you? Okay, he used the word of God to attack the word of God. But what did Jesus give him back? The proper use of the word of God and the actual being of the word of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You and I live because Jesus reigns. You and I live because Jesus speaks. That's the truth of the matter. So it doesn't matter if he's got rocks for loaves of bread. Now, he's on a 40-day fast. I mean, this has got to be... This is, he had to have angels come and minister to his, to his human body. But he wasn't going to eat just because the devil says eat or because his body was craving food. He says, no, we don't live by bread, but by every word... I'm going to follow the word of God because that's going to keep me alive. Just like the food would keep my body alive, I'm going to keep it adhere to the word of God. So Jesus taught us to respond with the word of God. And this is what we do, standing upon that word and responding with the word of God. But you've got to know it to respond, to it, to respond with it. You've got to know what your weapons are. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I was going to give some. Let, let me go ahead, and, and I'm running low on time, so I'm, I'm finishing this. I want to let me let me uh, jump around here in my notes. I wanted to get to this morning. I shared it in the war room with my leadership. I wanted to get to Zechariah. Book of Zechariah, chapter one. This is amazing. I, I, I like this particular thing in this chapter in Zechariah. <clears throat> Zechariah was a prophet, and God is speaking to him. God is showing Zechariah something in this in this book. And he says this, he says, I've raised up my eyes. I want to talk about, still talk about spiritual warfare, but I want to show you in this sense here. He said, then I, I raised up my eyes and looked and there were four horns, what Zechariah said. He said, I saw four horns. Look get that in a minute. And I said to the angel who talked with me, he said, what are these? So he answered me, these are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. You got that word scattered? How many see that word scattered in the Bible? Zechariah chapter 1, that was verse verse 19. Amen. Scattered Jerusalem. Then he says in verse 20, he says, Then the Lord showed me four, listen to this. In the New King James it says craftsmen. In the King James it says carpenters. Actually the word out of the Hebrew means artisan, builders, carpenters, or skilled workers. (laughs) <laughs> Are you following me so far? All right, we're talking about four horns. What does that mean? I know for a fact on the altar that they used to sacrifice uh, the, uh, the lamb, there's four horns on the altar. The number four is very specific in the Bible, and numera, the, the biblical numera, uh, numeral uh, 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 significance of four is worldwide. In other words, four points on the compass, north, south, east, and west. The horn is designated for authority and power. But when he says it here, he's saying there are four horns come to scatter. He's not talking about God's power. The four horns of the altar are talking about God's authority. When we sacrifice, we have covenant. We have all four points of the compass protecting us, the authority of God surrounding us. But here we see Zacharias sees four horns. And what do these four horns came, come to do? To scatter what God has co- pulled together. What God has says belongs together, we're going to scatter. How many know it? it's the enemy's plan to scatter? It's God's plan to gather. Can we say it together? Enemy scatter, God gathers. Thank you. You did very well. <laughs> Hmm. But then he, but he said, wait a minute. So these are four horns, authority to powers that come to scatter. In other words, this is what Satan has rose up in all forts surrounding God's people, which is Jerusalem, Judea, and Israel, surrounding them, okay, to scatter them. I guess, if I just looked at this at face value, and didn't mean any more, I guess the fact is that we come together must threaten Satan's work. Must threaten his authority, Because yes, that's what we're talking about. When he said horns, he's talking about authority. In other words, we're coming and remember, God told uh, Israel, He said, "Don't fear the gods of the, the Amalekites." And what did they do? They feared the gods of the Amalekites. Not so much the gods, but the armies that were that they were coming forth with the God of Amalekites. Why? Because what you fear is what you worship. Yes, sir. Everybody knows that. What you fear is what you're going to worship. She said, don't fear the gods of the Amalekites, but they fear the God of the Amalekites. So guess what? They, they end up serving him, worshiping him. So there was an illegal authority that came in to God's people and took over from the legal authority, which was God. So in a sense, they booted him out and brought Satan in. So now Zechariah, being a prophet of God, he's looking at this. He says, "Wait a minute." He says, and he's, he said, he says he uh, says he says, "Okay." Four horns come in from all four p- points of the nose. We're being surrounded by these evil forces who says they come to scatter Israel. This is their purpose is to scatter us because divided they have less strength. Okay, united they're stronger. So he's going to scatter. First thing Satan's going to do is scatter, scatter God's people. And then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. Now I come from, uh, I'm like the fifth generation that come from trades. I my, before I was in the ministry. I was an electrician. Uh, I came from trade. My dad was a carpenter That's why I'm an electrician because I worked with my dad as a carpenter. I became an electrician <laughs> Amen <laughs> if My dad was probably a plumber. I'd still be an electrician But anyway a different thing and I, I had an uncle that was a plumber. We had all the, we had all the trades my uh, Other uncle my dad's brother was also a carpenter and my grandfather was a carpenter Okay, my son uh, um, I don't know he, what happened with him. Uh, he became an electrician <laughs> as far as trades go. So we were trades. We know that we can come in if we, even though I wasn't a carpenter, because I grew up around that particular thing, I can cut a board better than anybody. I mean, I, I can do carpentry work. Amen. Amen. Matter of fact, I helped build some of this stuff, we were, you're sitting at right here, you know, 24 years ago, we, we put this together, and, uh, and I, I did it with, um, they, the, the, they laughed at me, but I did it with uh, church volunteers, and we, we got it done, and we had this whole thing done in five months, I thought, you know, four if everything runs perfect, do five they give, us, the, the owners of the building gave us six, otherwise we lost everything, I hadn't shared that story before, but, the, but, but we, we got it done in five months, and, and so, so what happens is a craftsman, or the artisans, however you want to say it, has the ability to change the spiritual atmosphere of the, of the attack. Because what we're talking about, Zechariah isn't interested in these armies, because these are physical armies that he's talking about, is these four horns. But there's a spiritual aspect that he's more concerned about. Listen to this, In verse 21 is the verse I like. And I said, talking about Isaiah, I said, what are these coming to do? So he said, talking about God, these are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one could lift his head. Get that down. No one could lift his head. That is a biblical phrase that means that you are shamed, you are weakened, there is nothing left to your character, there is nothing. You cannot lift your head. Who causes us, in the Bible, who causes us to lift our heads that hang down? We sing songs about it. Amen. Jesus comes over and he lifts our heads. In other words, he gives us hope. Amen. The idea of scattering, whether you're talking about a church or country or whatever, the idea of scattering the people that God has gathered is to take away hope yes, sir. and to get them very discouraged. Are you, are you with me so far? He said, so this, what are these coming to do? So he said, the horns have scattered Judah, so they're coming and so so no one can lift his head. But listen to this. He put a butt in there, but the craftsmen, remember the four craftsmen that are coming against the four horns? The four craftsmen are coming to terrify them. Oh, I like that. I like that to cast out the horns of the nations that lift up their horns against the land of Judah to scatter it. <laughs> God is going to send in artists? We're going to paint paintings and scare the devil? We're going to change light bulbs and the devil's just going to go away because our light bulbs are brighter. What, how, how, what, 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 how does this go together? How many want to know? Right, come back next week. Oh, come on, it never gets old. Praise God. Anyway, I'll share, I'll share with you. What he's talking about, within each one of us, I shared this to the leadership this morning also, and we believe this in White House Christian County, by the way. Everybody born, everybody born has a creative ability Amen. by nature. God created you that way. Give you a, well, if you want to come, you can check out the daycare center and take a... You know, so our youngest kids are two years old, put a, a box of crayons and a blank piece of paper and do that with 15 kids or 20 kids in a classroom and see what you get. Don't give them any instruction. Don't tell them what they're supposed to draw. Say, here you go, whatever you wanna do. You will find a different piece of artwork in all 20 places. You will not find two of them alike. They will become instant, automatically original. Why? Because God has placed that within us. You have to go to a public school system or college or somewhere to where they bleed that out of you. And they cause you to think a certain way so you can be a certain way and your creativity is gone. So let me get back to the scripture. What's he talking about with these artisans? and his craftsmen. He's not specifically calling carpenters. I know the King James Bible says that, but if you look back in the Hebrew, he's not specifically saying carpenters. He's talking, he's talking about craftsmen. What does a craftsman do? In whatever he trade he works with, I worked with electricity, there's guys that work with metal, my dad worked with wood, uh, different things like that. They had the ability to take raw materials and turn them into creation products. And that scares the living daylights out of the devil. Why? Because it isn't what they're doing as far as the trade. This is how I'm seeing this thing. It is the creativity, the creative ability that's coming out through them that he knows only the Heavenly Father put in there. And that creative ability can be shifted to any form of life. It doesn't have to be a carpenter. God's not looking to build his way to a a, a stronger people, but it's pulling out the creativity that he's placed in there and putting into people. How about your prayer? How creative can your prayer be? I'm not talking about now I lay me down to sleep uh, type of prayers, these repetitive things. Religion taught you there. There's no creativity in that. Now, creativity has to be also biblical. But in the lines of biblical, I can go to the Father and, Lord, this is what my day is like. You know, but can, what about this? What about that? And I can get input, even for my prayer, speak prayers that have power and change the world around me. Hmm, interesting. Matter of fact, what the devil would like me to do is pastor this church and find everything wrong with everybody. Because I'm the only perfect one here. Everybody knows that. (laughs) And, and pick on the wrong. And just, sit, well, we'll just train that right out of you. Now what do you sound like? College? Are you here? What they end up training you out of is common sense and a brain. Amen? No. What God is looking at, he said, are you looking out as a shepherd? Are you looking at weaknesses? He said, then your responsibility to make them strong. That's what an artisan does. He strengthens a nation, and the nation rises up against the four horns that come against them, and now we have some pushback. And if we're lacking or don't know quite what to do, the artisans know what to do. Yeah. Who was the strongest man in Jerusalem when Jerusalem was flattened by, uh, uh, by the Babylonians and they went back? Who did they count on to strengthen it? Was the guys that built the temple or guys who built the wall? Nehemiah got more recognition about building a wall than the guys that built the temple I mean this the second temple, but the first the first temple is glorious. It was Solomon's I mean we're not talking about we're not taking away from the from the structure of the temple, but Nehemiah I thought they were gonna raise a plaque for the guy and all he did and basically he only repaired the wall The entire wall was not was not broken The gates were missing There's sections that were breached but still in all it was un- there were no protection when he got the walls built up, now the enemy feared. Look in the book of Nehemiah. The enemy was afraid when the walls came together. They weren't afraid when they built the temple. But it took Craspin. Nehemiah went there with, 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 the, with the permission of the Persian king, by the way, went back there, rebuilt that wall, and who was trying to tear it down? And then what did he say to Nehemiah? Oh, come on down here and, 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 and enjoy enjoy. Some party, you need a rest. Come on here, he said. Why would I stop the work of the Lord and come down here and be about what you knuckleheads are doing? I I, I paraphrase this. This is my paraphrase, knucklehead. <laughs> but anyway, why should I? Why should I stop the work of the Lord, which is glorious, by the way? To come along and, and mess around with you? They were just trying to get him to stop. So we can take, the devil's trying to do, he's trying to ruin our identity, he's trying to get us to stop the work of God, and by doing that, he's trying to scatter God's people. So God, I've got news for you. Not going to church is not God's idea, because that's a command. Not going to church is the devil's idea to scatter you and to keep you weak and anemic from the words of God and from the spirit of God. Amen. Oh, amen. amen? This is the challenge that God has given me as a pastor. Can I now just take every service and just monday, hey, I've been here 33 years. I mean, I just, you know, I'm 72, come on. I mean, I, just, I, I can take any old number uh, you know, book and just go ahead and, and, and rattle off a scripture to you and you all think it's great and pat me on the back and I'll walk out and i will be it. No, God has never had me do that. Amen. He has always had me prepare like I'm preparing for battle not against you people, but battle against the four horns that are coming to take us out. Because sometimes living in Key West, it feels like the four horns are coming for us. No. Give the people what they need so they can stand against the four horns that are coming against them. Stand against what the devil's coming against you. Amen? Praise the Lord. the Amen? Hallelujah. Warfare is designed... Is, 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 uh, warfare is designed to separate, we fight that which separates, in other words we're fighting a warfare to prevent separation alright so yeah I'll pray people inside the church not just in the church because we're not talking about he, he used the words artisan, he used the words craftsman he's not talking about filling seats you, you're hearing this mega church He's not talking about church attendance. He's talking about church activity. He's not talking about church membership on a piece of paper. He's talking about membership activity within that local realm, within that uh, helping out. Uh, It's amazing. We had a little problem with the live stream this morning because of AT&T, not because of us. Our equipment's perfect. Uh, But AT&T, I don't know what their problem seems to be, but it's been off since Friday. Well, three days, we've had no internet here in the building. Uh, and uh, thank God it wasn't at my house, because, you know, I'd miss all my TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. And, and, but, but so, but it, it set up. But our guys sprung into action to get this on live stream. Why? Because basically what we believe here, a live stream is live stream, but this is a, an important thing. Live stream is important for us here. Because basically it helps us as this one little two-by-four island get the message out to the world. We, we've had this, these live streams, we've had comments come clear across the globe on the other side of the world. I think that's pretty important when Jesus said go to every nation and preach the gospel. Amen. So that's a pretty important thing. But our guy has sprung into action and, 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 and got the thing going. Then we had about 15 minutes this morning, uh-oh, something else happened. On our new system that we just put in, and then Jason sprung into action, and Jim back there, they were, I knew one of those two get together back there. Uh Uh-oh. So I I picked out my phone and said, "Uh uh-oh. Okay, so I decided, okay, what do I do? I can either get ticked, or I can pray. I know what I'll do. I'll get ticked, and I'll pray. In the name of Jesus, I'll do both. You better believe it. I'm not going to get ticked at our guys or our people. I'm going to get ticked at the sinking devil who's trying to shut off the, the valve. And this is, the, this is right on a Sunday where you just all changed your clocks. <laughs> we know how that goes. Are you here? <coughs> 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 Excuse me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The enemy counts on my closing statement. The enemy counts on keeping God's people ignorant, unskillful, and a void of all creative expression. Our Lighthouse Christian Academy, we have it within our curriculum to keep our kids creative. Amen? Amen. And, and, and encourage them to do that, keep them creative. And it's not just, it's not just the dance. It's not just a, a, a painting pictures. It's really not even about just being about craftsmen in the trades. And it's not necessarily about attacking the enemy. So what is it about? Is that creative atmosphere when people come along, to be creative you have to acknowledge God. And in that acknowledgement of God pushes back on the enemy to where the enemy cannot penetrate. Our worship to God, our, 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 our expressiveness to God, when we have a creative expression towards God, that becomes powerful because that's not a, that's not a uh, I'm just going to follow everybody's example. Now, there is a time for that, there's nothing wrong with that, but the fact is, is, is if that's all we do, and that's all church ever becomes, then that's all you'll ever be, where God says to be creative what happens in this ex- creative expression as we come to church, as we do things, this church, we change things all the time. But, uh, but uh, uh, to do this, we become a part of that. We find our place in that. And we have to acknowledge God in the process and acknowledging God in the process, he comes and communes with us. And that's really what it boils down to. We want God in the camp. Amen, Amen no matter what we, else we got i got a whole lot more, but I'm going to stop. How many got something out of the message this morning? I will say this, though, in closing. It's the second closing, right? I get three, it's the American way, somebody told me. All right, anyway, but it's second one. In this, our spiritual warfare is going to take on a different look. I will say that. Uh, how different? I don't know. I'll let you know Tuesday when I get here. <laughs> but the fact is, it's going to take on... And I, I had some other scriptures I didn't have time to get to this morning. But, you know, praise is a, is a, is a weapon. We have the weapons of our warfare which are not carnal, but they're mighty through God that are pulling down a stronghold, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Amen. Uh, and, and, and Paul brought this out. Uh, there's armament, uh, put on the full armor of God. You know, that's personal protection. But then there's a place where we come together Forsake not the assembling. With the assembly, we come together as a unit. Amen. And first of all, we acknowledge God. First of all, we acknowledge, regardless of how goofy this sounds, I'm dropping my net. Amen. Okay, the only, my only concern is, is that net going to hold everything God wants to put in it? Amen. There's our concern. Amen. Well, I wonder when this is going to happen. Eh, Careful, you're leveling the playing field for doubt. Praise the Lord. All right, how many got something out of the Word this morning? If you didn't, it ain't my fault. <laughs> I tried my best. <laughs> Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, guys, for getting for the live stream. All you that watched this that I live stream, I know we were about 15 minutes late, 14 minutes late, but we thank you for sticking in there, that 15 minutes. We ble- pray blessings upon you. Uh, people that are normally part of our church, we know some of them are out sick uh, 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 with affliction. In the name of Jesus, we pray healing miracles again for you. See you back in the house of the Lord as his plan for your life. Praise the Lord. To be in, into the house of the Lord and to be part of what God is doing this hour. With that said, if anybody here needs to, uh, an idea of what, what can I do, uh, hey, you come to the right place. If you don't see anything in this ministry that appeals to you, like like your gifting or or what you feel your interest is, tell us what it is and we'll invent it. (laughs) As long as it goes to the gospel, I'll make it. Are you here? How many know that to be true? Know me not long enough to be be true? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Why? I believe in the creative expression. I believe in creative expression. Amen? And I believe in taking away everybody's excuse. I'm not to be in the house of the Lord. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. I pray your blessings this morning. I know this is going to be an unfolding word, and we got the basic this morning of the scope of it. But Lord, we now will, you will bring forth and, re, and, and reveal to us the pacifics in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And Lord, we anticipate, we anticipate, rising up victorious in whatever battle that we're going through not as an individual so much but as a church and as a church that ministers to individuals and that individual stance there but through the church the corporate meetings in the name of Jesus that have always been your idea the corporate meetings have always been your idea the stand alone lone wolf will get eaten are you here so we pray Come back to the house and Lord. We pray in the artisans. We pray in the craftsmen. We pray in the, that the people have come. That will stand against the four horns that have come to destroy. Amen? And we'll grab a hold of the four horns of the altar. I didn't preach that part of it. The four horns of the altar to where we get our power from. Because God is on every point of the compass. Yeah. Satan only pretends to be. God is. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. We give you praise this morning. And everybody said... God bless you, hallelujah.